First Kings chapter 18, verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. That's significant. The man of God spoke. He asked, he commanded a, a response and the people responded. And all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Today, with the help of the Lord, what the Lord has been laying on my heart for over a week and has broken me and created in me. I, this week through prayer and fasting and studying and just searching, I, I want to preach to you today on this subject, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus name. I'm not going to take time today to retell the very familiar Bible story. However, I will briefly fill you in on what is happening in the events surrounding our text found in 1 Kings, the 18th chapter and verse 30. Ahab has risen to power in Israel and along with his wicked wife Jezebel, he has led the nation of Israel, God's people, into the worship of false God and has even set out to murder all of the prophets of the one true God. There was a particular prophet, however, who was a thorn in Ahab's side. God used a prophet by the name of Elijah and Ahab, no matter how hard he tried, could not lay a hand on this man of God. Our text today takes place as the conflict between them begins to come to its climax. In a dramatic episode under the instruction of the Lord, Elijah comes out of hiding and he sends word to Ahab that he is ready for the proverbial showdown. Ahab brings all of his priests, which worship the false god Baal, and he meets Elijah at a place called Mount Carmel. It was to be a great supernatural showdown where the god of Elijah was to be proven against the false gods of this world by fire. You all remember the story from Sunday school. The prophets of Baal went first. They prepared their bull. They placed it on the altar for Baal. Then they began to pray to their God, Baal, asking him to send down fire to the altar. They prayed all morning long. They prayed until the noon time. They cried out with everything that was in them that Baal would hear them and answer their prayer that day. But to no avail, nothing happened. They even began to dance around the altar and they cut themselves, but still they received no response. At noon, Elijah began to teased them in a sort of way. He said, shout louder. I'm sure Baal can hear you. Perhaps he has too much to think about or maybe your God is too busy right now. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. If you'll shout a little louder, you could wake him up and he would hear you. So the prophets of Baal began to shout louder and louder and they continued praying and shouting with everything they had until evening. But there was no reply. When they finally gave up, Elijah gathered the people to himself. Now, Elijah says, people of God, I want you to come close. You would think it would be at this moment that Elijah would give them a pep talk. That he would give them, all right, boys, we got them exactly where we want them. 
They've prayed. They've cried. They've hurt themselves. They've danced. They shouted and nothing's happened. Now we're about to do it. Now we're about to show them what's really up. I'm trying to be a little young this morning. There's some youth here. We're going to show them what's going on. We're about to show them who the real God of Israel is. But here's what Elijah said. He said, come close and let's rebuild the altar. Instead of dancing, he understood that the first and foremost thing they had to do was rebuild the most necessary thing in their life. See, the nation of Israel was in the grip of sin and idolatry. They were on the very brink of the terrible judgment of God. And this great prophet Elijah was about to demonstrate for them the power of God. And was about to call them back from the brink of destruction to the very place of repentance. But the first thing that he does is he simply points out the fact that the altar needs to be rebuilt. It needs repairs. We've got to fix. We've got to get this right. If we're going to let God be God, we've got to get it right from the very beginning. See, there is a significant link between the condition of the altar and the condition of the nation of Israel. There always has been. Throughout the Old Testament, the condition of the nation of Israel was judged by the condition of her altars. When Israel would neglect the altars, when she would turn her back on God, the nation as a whole would fall into the state of spiritual decline. They would free fall into sin and hypocrisy until they reached a place of absolute apostasy. The kingdom of priests, that nation that was chosen by God, his elect people would always drift into the bondage of sin and idolatry whenever they abandoned their altar. The reason why the altar is so important is because it is the best barometer of our spiritual condition. If you want to know how you are spiritually, you judge it by the condition of your altar. The altar is the place where God dealt with his people. And when that altar is neglected, when communion is severed and it no longer matters, that's when sin rises up in the hearts of the people and it begins to reign in the midst of that nation. See, Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs and he says this, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The record of scripture bears out that truth. Where there is an active altar in the nation of Israel, they were an exalted nation. Can I stop here for a moment and say to you today that if God is going to exalt us to the place that he wants us to be, if he's going to exalt us to be the real city that is set on a hill for this community we've got to get to back to the simplistic thing called an altar we've got to begin to do it today but when the altar no longer holds a prominent place in our lives as it did in the nation of israel without fail that is when sin would rise in the nation and they would bring a reproach to god I cannot overemphasize this morning just how important the condition of the altars are to the success or the failure of the people of God. Because the altar is a place where heaven meets earth. It is the zip code where man can meet God. It's a place where God deals with the heart of man. It was never supposed to fall in a place or the, into the place of disrepair. It was supposed to be the central part of our lives. 
The altar was intended to be a place of daily sacrifice. It was a place for a man to be daily reminded that his greatest ambition in life was to simply be a servant of God. It was at the altar that the nation of Israel was reminded that they didn't become a great nation by their own power. That they didn't get there by their own hand. They didn't owe their greatness to the strength of their armies or the skill of their warriors. No, their greatness was not in the natural resources or the wealth that they may have amassed. The altar was simply about reminding them the thing that made them great was the presence of a holy God in our midst. New life and friend of mine today what's going to make us great is not all the exterior but it's the interior it's the altar that we build in our lives that's going to make us a great church a great saint of God a great people of God we need altars in this last day the altar was about God and their service to him because it was God that exalted them above every other nation it was God that had set them apart. God that had provided them for them in the wilderness. God that made a way when there seemingly was no way. It was the altar that served as a daily reminder not to rely upon themselves nor depend upon their own strength, but to remember it was and is the presence of God that is our greatest resource. I'm reminded of the old song that says, Where do I go? When I have nowhere else to turn to. Who do I lean on? When there's no one standing there, I go to the rock. Can I tell you today, you may be sitting in this house under the sound of my voice, or you may be watching by the way of the web today, but there is a God today that is still looking for you. He's longing to meet you where you are, and where he will meet you today is when you make the cognitive decision that I'm going to rebuild the altar back in my life. I'm going to get back to a place where God can meet me when I'm at my lowest and when I'm at my highest, it's time to rebuild altars in our lives. I recognize the fact that we use the platform stairs or the altar area. And there's nothing wrong with that. When I first got in church, we had benches that were altars. And they were in front of the stairs and when you felt God and conviction would fall, people would come to the altar and they would kneel down at that old wooden altar. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a God thing to make it a priority to reestablish an altar in our church. We don't only need altars to be in the church. We must reestablish the priority of altars in our personal lives. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I cannot survive spiritually on Sunday morning of two services and a Wednesday Bible study. I gotta find a place in my home on Monday and on Tuesday and on Thursday when I'm not surrounded by the music. I'm not surrounded by the family of God. I've gotta find an altar in my personal daily life where I can connect with the Almighty, all resources God because whatever I need in my life is found at the first place which is the altar hear me this morning we need altars 
We need a place where we can come and we can fall on our face and cry before God. And God can meet with us and we can meet with God. Your altar may not be made of oak. It may not always be at the stairs of this church. It may not always be uh, at a place that we deem as the altar. It may be in your home on a, that old recliner that we're so used to just kicking back and relaxing and taking the load off. Can I tell you, lazy boy doesn't have nothing on the Spirit of God. You can kick back the lazy boy and try to take things off your mind. But the greatest way that you're going to get the peace that passes all understanding is getting out of that chair and facing that, that chair and kneeling down and saying, God, I can't do it without you. I need you, Lord. I make this my altar today. we got to have an altar. we got to make a place where we sacrifice ourselves to God. Your altar can be anywhere. But hear me, wherever your altar is, you need to make sure that we don't neglect it. You need to make sure that we haven't let it fall into disrepair. We've all been guilty of it. I'll I'll be transparent. I've, I've learned this a long time ago. When you point one finger, I have three more coming back at me. There's been altars sometimes in my life that have fallen in disrepair. I've neglected them because things got good. The Lord has been chastising me this week and breaking me down and putting me back together again. Not that my altar is in disrepair, but getting me to the place where I understand that if I'm going to win the lost, let me rephrase that, if I'm going to be a better disciple, if I'm going to show others the way, the way is not with hands raised and shouting and dancing. The way is not necessarily only talking in tongues, but it's living it out every day by the way of the altar. If people can see that I've laid myself down at the altar, they're willing to follow me because they know that it's not about you or me, but it's about God in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I feel so strong in my spirit today. It's time to rebuild the altars. It's time to reestablish not only just a building and say, oh, that's a beautiful thing. Look what we did. We built an altar. That's not what I'm referring to today. I'm talking about reestablishing the importance of the altar because the altar is not a form of a substance of material. The altar is any place where you fall on your face before God and you begin to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. And without you, I am nothing. I cannot live. I cannot move. I cannot breathe unless I have you in my life. Let me tell you something about altars. They are to be used every day. Not just a quarterly thing or a monthly thing or even a weekly thing. They're intended to be used every day. Because everything happens at the altar. Everything that is important in the life of a child of God happens at an altar. Your altar is where we meet Him. It's where God deals with my sins. It's where repentance takes place in an altar. My heart responds to the presence of God there at an altar. His blessings and His provision are secured at an altar. His healing touch is loosed at an altar. Everything I need from Him is obtained at an altar. 
If I need an answer from God, I can find it at an altar. If i got to find direction in the kingdom of God, it's found at an altar. If you need deliverance from something, it's found at an altar. From If you need deliverance from oppression or depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, it's found at an altar. And the altar is a place where you make the decision that says, I'm not going to do it anymore on my own, God. I'm going to do it with your help. And I live out my life from this moment forward. With you, Lord, I lay my will down. Let's make it personal. I need an altar right now in my life. I need a personal altar. When it comes down to the simple question, is how bad do we want a move of God? How desperate are we for the anointing of God? How hungry are we for the presence of God? The anointing of the church will never be bigger than its altars. If we want to move of God, we need to have an altar. If you want to be used by God, you need an altar. If you want the power of the Holy Ghost to work in your life, you need an altar. Hear me today that the altar flows from sacrifice. It was the tabernacle plan when they were wandering in the wilderness and God gave the instruction of how to build the tabernacle. And it was a place where God said, I want to come and I want to dwell with you. When the worshiper would come into the through the outer gate, they would walk in. The very first thing that they saw was the altar of sacrifice. God gave them a blueprint for how to get to the presence of God. They were not just allowed to walk through the gate past the holies, the, the worship place and the laver of water and, and step right into the presence of God. No, because God would take their life. There had to be order of process and that started with the altar of sacrifice. Sacrifice only happens at an altar. And if you don't have a fresh sacrifice on your altar, you are operating without the power and the anointing of God. But sacrifice is costly. It costs me something to make a sacrifice to God. Too many people seek the presence of God while bypassing the altar of sacrifice. They always look for the presence because the presence of God is the glory of God. That's where the light is, is, it's illuminated there. But the sacrifice is not a beautiful place. The sacrifice is a place where, where death occurs. And it's not about that. It's about something greater. We cannot bypass our altars just to get to the presence of God because you can't have the presence of God without the altar of sacrifice. The reason why altars are so important is because sacrifice is so expensive. It requires your very best. Here's why we can't neglect our altar. Because when we neglect our altar, we give God something less than our best. We let the Lord know, I can do this without you. I don't need you, Lord. I, I'll come back when the, the time is right for me. When, but when I neglect my altar, I'm essentially giving God the leftovers of my life. And God doesn't need or want our leftovers. He wants our best. The altar will challenge me to put God first. 
the altar will compel me to put his house and his kingdom first and his will for your life above everything else. The altar will challenge you to seek the kingdom of God first and let God take care of everything else. It's the altar that, that corrects my perspective and says if I put God first, everything else will work out according to plan. It's the place where things that hinder my walk are consumed with the fires of sacrifice. The obstacles and the stumbling blocks that are keeping me from doing what God has called me to be are broken and destroyed at the altar. It's the place where we surrender. It's where I let go and turn over to God. It's where I surrender my will and I say, Lord, not my will, but thy will. It is the place of true submission to God. And it can only be accomplished at an altar. The altar is what separates us apart. It's where we consecrate ourselves to the Lord and become a living sacrifice where we submit our lives to God. It's where we deal with our flesh and the old man is crucified and if we're going to die daily like Paul did, my friend, that has to be done at an altar. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The altar is that place where I enter in the presence of God and I say, search me, O Lord. It's a place of confession where I stand in the presence of God and I confess my faults. It's where I deal with my flesh, and I confess it before God. Proverbs 28 and 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth, forsaketh them, shall have mercy. If I try to cover up my sin, I will not prosper. But the Bible says if I confess my sins, God has promised to have mercy. Secret sins, hidden sins, sins that are covered up and only develop in lives where altars are not built. When we meet God at the place called altar, His holiness and His righteousness convicts us of the sin in our life and it's the presence of God that where sin becomes a burden, it becomes obvious and it must be dealt with at an altar. It's that holy presence of God that brings overwhelming conviction in our lives, of sin in our lives. I've been praying all week for some time now, God, we need to bring back old, what I call old time conviction. We need to get back to a place where our hearts are so heavy we can't hardly breathe. We gotta get back to a place where we have the lump in our throat And we feel as if we're going to implode if we don't run to the altar. I remember, and I know you do as as well, how it was when you first found the Lord and the Lord found you. That feeling, and I've been praying, Lord, I want conviction to come back in my life. I don't want to, I don't want to see how close I can get to the fence. I don't want to question or justify actions and say, well, how far can I go away from the altar where it's not sin, but it's not right? When we have questions like that, 
Be assured we've neglected our altar because when your face is in your altar and you're dying out to your will, all you care about is pleasing the Lord. All you want to do is not worry about how close you can get to the world, but how close you can get to God because you realize that His presence is heaven to me. His presence is all that I need. I don't need more money. I don't need a better car. I don't need better clothes. If I could just get into the presence of God I know everything is going to be alright it's the altar where I meet a holy God and God comes and talks to me now not every time I have been to my altar have I felt God but I still go back how many times have you ever prayed and not felt a thing But yet you prayed and you kept praying because you know that God's trying to just see how hard and how hungry you are to get to his presence. Hmm. It's it's the place where my inadequacies meet a God that says I'm more than adequate. It's the place where my inabilities meet a God who says I'm more than able. It's a place where my impossibility meets a God who thrives in the impossible circumstance. It's the altar where my weakness and my insecurities and my shortcomings are met by the one who says you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer through Christ Jesus. It's the place where my needs are met. My provider where my obstacles encounter the way maker. How many know he's a way maker? It's in the altar where he speaks to my troubled storm and he corrects my direction and he orders my footstep. It all happens at an altar. See, there's a lot of things that happen at this altar. It's already happened in this service. God began to heal people and began to restore people. It was a place of thanksgiving. It was a place... Where people come and just lift their hands and say, Lord, I thank you. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. And at the same time, it's the altar for someone at a same time to be a place where they say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to be restored unto you. Lord, I, I want more of you. The altar can be many things at many times. But when we are depleted and empty, we are worn out or physically depressed simply because we have not taken the time to go and to lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus. That's what the altar is. When you don't feel like worshiping, when you don't feel like praising, when you don't feel like saying thank you, Jesus, that's the most opportune time for you to step out of your seat and say I'm going to the altar and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm just going to thank him for a moment for his goodness I'm going to praise him in advance for what is to come the altar is not only about sorrow but it's also about dancing and worshiping and giving God praise it's a place of rest the Bible says come unto me Ye that are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's where your rest is. It's at the altar. The devil, the enemy, your flesh would like to, but he cannot destroy your altar. He does not have the authority. The enemy does not have the authority. You are the only one that can determine the condition of your altar in your life. The first step to rebuilding your altar is to recognize that it's broke. 
The hardest thing, the greatest mountain you'll ever climb is realizing that you need help. Doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, because we're creatures that don't want to ask for help. We want to try to do it and fix it on our own. But when you realize that I need to rebuild something in my life, I, I come to the place to realize my altar is broken. We're experts at deceiving ourselves. We do it a lot. Hey, brother, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Everything's good. We do that. We, we try to keep others from, because I really don't think that we should tell everything we know all the time. That's why God gave us altars. If we aren't careful, we will convince ourselves that there's nothing wrong with our altar. I'm fine. We say things like, I pray when it really matters. Oh, I pray every now and then. I pray when something important is going on. See, God and I have this understanding. We say things like, he knows my heart. He knows I care about him and I know I, he cares about me. Hear me today on this Sunday morning. We cannot allow ourselves to be deceived. When we neglect the altar, we will drift further and further away from God. When we neglect our altar, sin gains a foothold in our life and we will get to a place where we feel as if we have no way out. When we neglect the altar, the Lord's righteousness will, will give way to my self-righteousness. It's my prayer today that... A, the Spirit of God will move in this house in just a few moments when I close. And He will make us uncomfortable about the condition of our altars. It's my prayer today and has been all week. Lord, don't let me be satisfied with a broken altar. Don't let me be satisfied with altars that have been in the state of disrepair. But I pray today that a conviction falls upon this house. And we are called back to our first love, the altar. See, the altar provides a platform for God to work. So Elijah gathered the people together and he rebuilt the Lord's altar that had been destroyed. He built it with 12 stones just like it was supposed to be done. He placed the wood on top of the stones and he dug a ditch around the altar. He prepared the bull and he placed it on top of the wood on the altar. And then something happened that was amazing. He told the people to fill four barrels with water and pour them out on the altar. Then he told them to do it again and yet again a third time. They soaked the sacrifice, the wood, the rocks, and it filled the trenches with the water. The, wa the altar was absolutely drenched with water. The challenge was for God to answer by fire. And Elijah made sure that when the fire fell, everyone, everyone would know that only God of Israel could have done it. Finally, when the time was to offer the evening sacrifice, the prophet stepped forward and he prayed. And he prayed a 63-word prayer the altar and that he had repaired. And the Bible says that the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed the dust. And it licked up every droplet of water that was in the trench. 
Let me tell you something that something happens when you rebuild your altar. You create a platform in your life for God to prove himself. See, when Elijah rebuilt the altar, he set the stage for the miraculous, for the outpouring of the presence of God. So I ask you this question this morning. Do you need a miracle in your life? Rebuild the altar. Do you need provisions from heaven? Rebuild the altar. Do you want to see God change things in your home? Rebuild the altar. Do you want to see a change in your family or your children's life? You must rebuild the altar. I stand here today as I'm closing. (coughs) Under the direction of the Holy Ghost to tell you with the full authority of all of heaven. That if you will rebuild your altar that God is going to demonstrate something in your life that you cannot even imagine. God spoke to me in prayer and he told me, if you'll tell my people, if they'll put the altar first, my presence is going to come like a mighty Russian wind. As you stand with me, I'm closing. Fire couldn't fall until the altar was rebuilt. Revival couldn't come to their nation until the altar was repaired. See, the situation in my life isn't going to change until I rebuild my altar. If today you will make up in your mind, I'm going to rebuild my altar, deliverance is coming. Healing is coming. Purpose is coming. A change is coming. Because today I'm going to rebuild my altar. As every eye is closed. And every head is bowed. I'm reaching for someone today. Maybe you once knew this way. Maybe you once lived out what you have seen and felt and heard in this church service today. But at some point in in your life, you've been hurt. You've been bruised. You've been battered. Maybe you've gotten bitter. Maybe you've gotten angry. It all came from the moment you began to neglect the altar. And I'm reaching for you today as the Lord's Spirit is here. And I'm asking, I know that times are strange with social distancing, but I'm asking as your eyes are closed and your head is bowed, who is going to be willing to step out of your seat and say, I need to rebuild the altar in my life. I need to change some things. I need to redo and rethink my priorities. My altar's only been on Sunday morning, 9 a.m. or Sunday morning, 11.30 I've lost way of the altar on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and every other day of the week. The Lord has sent me this morning to tell you, rebuild the altar in your life. If you're ever going to see the promise and the flow of God in your life, there must be an altar. As they begin to sing and play, I invite you to come to step out by faith.
and say, I need the altar in my life. There's some things that I've been carrying around that that aren't healthy for me spiritually. There's some things in my life that I've been walking around and I've been holding on to. I don't want to let them go because I feel like if I let them go, I'm only going to be hurt more. But God says today, come and rebuild the altar. Lay it down in the place that you have deemed. Lay it down and say, Lord, I need the altar this morning. Would you do that today right where you are? Would you just stretch your hands toward heaven and say, God, I completely surrender my will. I completely lay myself down this morning.